I want us to just open um, before, oh, not open, but start our time together into the God's word with prayer. So let us just ask God to speak to our hearts and minds this morning. Our Father God, we thank you that you are the living God, the all-powerful God, the one who created all things, and the one who sent your Son in grace and love to be our Saviour. Thank you that you, by your Spirit, en enliven your word and make it real and personal and powerful to each one of us. And we pray that this morning that may be the case for us, that we will hear your word and that we will think through um, this whole topic of our vision as a church and pray that it will be something that you will use in the life of each one of us as well as in the life of the church for your glory and for your name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our vision, our vision as a church We've got friends who live in Pennsylvania, and when we visited them once, um, they showed us their home. And it was a home that was beautiful. It was a two-story building set in a lovely area. They live in, believe it or not, the name of the town is Bird, of, Bird, Bird in the Hand, Pennsylvania. It's all sorts of weird names in Pennsylvania, let me tell you. Anyway, uh, that's where they live. And so that, and, and they told us, but hey, hang on a second. Do you know what happened? Uh, he said, you know, when we looked at this house, Wendy, my wife, uh, she looked at it and she thought, oh, it looks terrible. It needs a really good paint job and more than that. And the kitchen, oh, it's terrible. And he said, don't look, he said to her, don't look at what it is now. Look at what it will be when we're finished doing it up. That's vision. We can look at this church as it is now, or we can look at this church as it will be in five, ten years. Anything we look at, your business, your job, whatever, uh, to look at it as now is one thing, but to look at it as it will be, uh, provided everyone gets involved and does what they need to do, is vision. And that's what we're looking at this morning. My previous message a couple of weeks ago was on our mission, why we exist as a church. And my suggested mission statement, it's not the mission statement of the church, but it's my suggestion for a mission statement, was that we exist to love God and to love people, whether Christians or not, love people, and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Our vision then is to take that mission statement and then tease it out and apply it in a way that we can then see what our church will be like in 10 years if we do fulfill that mission that God has given us. So our vision is like a snapshot a picture that you take of the future that you have in your mind. That my mate in, in Pennsylvania had a picture in his mind of what that house would look like uh, when it, they'd done it up. And uh, that is what a vision is. The last two years of this church's life and history has been difficult. 
difficult for all sorts of reasons. And it's not easy to forget what lies behind and to focus on what lies in the future. So vision is looking at our future, not our past. That is why I chose this reading this morning that uh, Sanjay read for us. Uh, Israel on the brink of going into the promised land that God had promised them. That was their mission to go in and take the land and to dwell there and that would be their home. They're on the brink. Two spies came back with positive um, reports and 10 spies came back with a negative report. Oh, they said it's a wonderful land, but... The leaders back then, Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, they wanted to move forward, but the people didn't get on board. The leaders of this church are excited about the future. They really are. But you need to get on board. We need to get on board. Everyone needs to get on board. We need to catch a vision and join together to make that happen. So three points I want to make that's unusual for me. We need, first of all, to form our vision. We need to say, well, what is our vision? All right, sure, we need to reach out into our community and all that, but, but hey, what, what is for us as a church here in Pakenham in this year, 2022, and, and the years ahead, what is our specific vision for this church? So we need, first of all, to be clear. What needs to be included in our vision? And I'm going to suggest some things, and, and again, this is something the, the elders and the uh, future pastor and everybody invo involved in leadership, uh, whoever those may be, will be putting together the vision for the future. It's not my role to do that, but I'm going to make some suggestions. First of all, the mission says we should love God. That's priority, Right? Right? I can't hear you at home. <laughs> Our community should value genuine worship. Value it. See it as absolutely vital that we come together or at home we worship. We honour, we glorify, we lift him high in our hearts and minds. We can't lift him higher than he is. He's in the highest place, but we in our hearts and minds can lift him and exalt him and worship him. That is what the Christian life is meant to be, a life of worship, a life of glorifying God. And when we come and sing praise songs, that we, we genuinely become a part of the worship and join together to glorify God that we're engaged in worship, that we love God. We should also be a community that value diversity. We're to love people. It doesn't say love some people. 
Some people are difficult to love, but we're called to love people. Some people are different from us or older from us or younger than us or, or whatever, whatever. But we're to love people. Love and acceptance despite the diversity, and there's diversity in a number of areas I want to point out. Obviously, there's a diversity of ages. The younger generation very often are not connecting in churches. They're finding it difficult to connect. And we need to adjust how we don't change the, the message, don't change the truth, but change. I mean, imagine doing church today like they did in the first century. Probably it would be really good to sit around in a lounge room of a house, if they had a lounge room or on the roof or whatever, and praise the Lord. But anyway, um, to, to, to be willing to uh, adapt to the younger generation is such a critical area because I've just written a book um, about the um, people who are turning away from the Lord and the numbers are absolutely amazing. Uh, of the number of people in the younger generation who are turning away uh, from church and from the Lord. And we need to be, um, in fact, I'm going to ask you this question. Speaking to the older ones, like older being over the age of, let's say, 60, there's a few of you here and a few watching at home. What would you be willing to give up? to see your adult children and your grandchildren sitting here in church with you if they're not? What would you be willing to change? What would you be willing to give up to see that? That's a challenging question. Because it means that if we're going to pitch at the broad age group that we're wanting to pitch at, we have to adapt. And younger ones who don't have the foundational Bible knowledge that we might have if we're older ones, and the younger ones who sing different kinds of songs and, and, and uh, use tablets and iPhones and never open an actual book and stuff like that is, is so, so... Um, Needing to be, uh, we need to be adaptable. And, and I'm not saying throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm saying that we need to think, how do we plan for five, ten years down the track that we as a church will love people, including the younger ones, including the older ones, you young people. Adapting to the fact that there are a broad age range within this church, there is. And, and, and that therefore uh, I'm to... Hey, don't just hang out with the younger ones. Go and say hi to that person who's got a bit of grey hair and, and, uh, and lives alone and is lonely. And you can go up and say hi, right? So it's all ages. All right. So 10 years from now, how old will you be? I'm serious. How old will you be? And... How active will you be able to be in, in church life? And if you're a 15-year-old, you'll be 25. 
If you're a 10-year-old, you'll be 20. So think 10 years down the track. And we need to be gearing the church now for that. Not only diverse ages, and by the way, I wanted to say in that, I'm going to go back to the last point, diverse ages because it involves welcomers, welcoming uh, at the, the first impression you get when you walk in the church is you're welcoming. And it involves musicians and singers. It involves uh, sharing in ministry. And, and, and that's why I'm trying to get some younger ones up and do, involving them because it's so important. Anyway, moving on. Diverse ethnicity. Uh, not just acceptance, but equal footing. I remember when we worked at one church where gradually, because the demographics of the area became uh, quite different to what it was um, like 10 years earlier, uh, that the church began to develop, uh, like obviously had a lot of diversity of, of um, uh, different cultures who had moved to Australia and lived in the area coming to the church. And it wasn't just to, uh, obviously the church was very welcoming and warm and, and there wasn't an issue, but it, it, it led us to think, we looked, sat back as elders at, and looked and said, we don't have an, uh, uh, anyone on the eldership, on leadership, the leadership team, of, of that culture and that culture, and yet look how many are in the church. So we began to move to change the demographics of the leadership for obvious reasons. So, so that a church is inclusive of all and values all and looks with uh, respect to all. Uh, there's differing styles. Some like older hymns, some like contemporary praise songs, some like heavy-duty teaching, and others like life-related, uh, not so deep. And again, we need to reckon that uh, as a church, we are communicating to a broad range of people who have very little Bible knowledge and those who have got a huge amount of Bible knowledge. And we need to pitch it so all feel and understand and grasp what is being taught. Diverse theological beliefs. You'll never find a church where everyone believes everything the same. It won't happen. In this church, there are diverse theological beliefs, but there should be respect, and I believe there is, for those that diversity. There are negotiables and there are non-negotiables. The negotiables are things like, well, um, end times. Is Jesus coming post-trib or pre-trib? And all that kind of stuff. So, so there's people here who believe differing things. But hey, respect one another and, and look at the importance of the church being inclusive and and the diversity of theological beliefs in the negotiables, we will not surrender the non-negotiables. Jesus is the Lord from heaven, the God of the universe who became a man, who died on the cross and rose again and is alive today and is coming back. Amen? Amen. That will never change. The word of God, the Bible is the living word of God. That doesn't change. There's certain non-negotiables, but there's plenty of negotiables. Should you eat, Paul said, Meat offered to idols? Well, some believe you should, some believe you shouldn't. Hey, 
So that in the church, there were those who had differing beliefs about that. Idols, nothing. So you can eat that meat. It was just, or sure, it was offered to an idol, but that means nothing. It, and in other words, no, that's really bad. You don't eat meat offered to idols. So Paul said, hey, don't do anything that will cause your brother to stumble. Live with the basis of love. All right, so I'll move on. The, the, that we need to be clear. But secondly, uh, in forming our vision, we need to be careful. See, who contributes to the vision? Do I, as a pastor, or when a permanent pastor is appointed, does that permanent pastor say, this is my vision for this church, and you guys need to get on board? That won't work. That will not work. So it, it means who contributes to the vision, not just the pastor, the leadership, the elders, the key leaders, and then once they agree on the vision for the church and how the church should look in 10 years, then they present it as a vision casting exercise to the church and the church comes on board and we run with it and make it happen. And thirdly, we need to be concise. We need to be clear with a vision casting. We need to be careful, but we also need to be concise. We need to make a statement that encapsulates our vision. So the vision, our vision of a church is what that church will look like when our mission statement is being accomplished. And I have written a suggested, suggested vision statement for this church. And I'll get them to put it up. The vision of PBC, Packy Baptist, is to be a vibrant church of devoted followers of Jesus Christ where God's love and transforming power are demonstrated. It will be a church where people of all ages and ethnicity, ethnicity are united in love, growing to Christ-like maturity and equipped to serve. It will be a church that is intentional in reaching the people of Pakenham and supportive of mission to the whole world. If I, in my heart and mind, think about this church and what it should be as we move forward, it would be encapsulated in that sentence or two sentences, three sentences. Our vision then leads us to develop after that a strategic plan. Now, that's not our job as, a, as, a, as the whole congregation. That's the leaders then. All right, we've agreed on our mission. We've agreed on our, our vision of what we should be. Now, let's make plans of how we're going to actually make that happen. And so then they do a, a, like a ministry evaluation and say, well, that ministry uh, is taking a lot of resources and it's not really um, doing anything towards that vision. Maybe we should talk to the leaders and say, maybe we should change that mission, that ministry to something different or maybe we should start something that, that is more in line with our mission. And, and that's a plan. Now, it might upset one or two, but... If we're going to actually reach the vision, we have to take leadership as a leaders in the church and make it happen, which requires a strategic plan. So then, 
We've formed, we're to form a vision. The second thing is we need faith for our vision. We need faith for our vision. Moses and Aaron, Joshua and Caleb, was, uh, the two spies, all had a vision to accomplish the mission that God had given them. And the Israelites, however, were not willing to go with the vision because of the difficulties, because they perceived and they were influenced by the ten um, bad influences. Talking about influences to the kids this morning, well, the bad influence of those in the, in the uh, congregation of the, the nation who... Um, made so much of the opposition and, and the possibility of defeat that the people listened to them and didn't have faith to say, no, we can trust God. God's promised to give us this land. He's got our leaders are, are saying we should go. We should go. They were not willing to go with the vision because of the difficulties and the fear of defeat. It says in Numbers, we had read to us, but the people who live there, they said, are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. Look at us. We've hardly got any weapons. Let alone, all right, you know, how can we take those huge cities and those powerful armies? Look at the numbers of what they've got. And Caleb said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we will certainly do it. We can certainly do it. And then Moses and Aaron said, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. See the contrast. And that's the same for this church. There's going to be challenges for the future. It's not going to be easy. Someone said churches either have growing pains or dying pains. So <clears throat> faith is required we need faith for our vision. First of all, faith that prays expectantly. A praying church will be a powerful witness and, a, and, and a, a God will be at work in that church. A praying church, praying expectantly. You know, expectedly, expectantly. Get it right, Keith. Here it is. To pray, listen to this. Pray to pray without planning and then doing is to mock God. Oh God, I pray that we'll have all the people of Pakenham area come and hear the gospel. Now let's see what God does. Won't work. We need to find ways to reach out to the people of Pakenham. We pray that, but then we plan and we do it. And God gives the increase, and there it is. So to pray without planning and doing is to mock God, but to plan and to do without praying is to rob God of his glory. It's us doing it. 
We need to, uh, a faith that prays expectantly. We also need a faith that plans expectantly. Plan as if you expect God to answer your prayers as a church. Vision produces motivation and we need to attempt great things for God. I think it was C.T. Studd who gave that quote. If anyone's heard of C.T. Studd back in about 100 years ago or whatever. Right, so we need to not only um, form our vision and have faith for our vision, but we need to fulfil our vision. Fulfilling our vision requires three things. First of all, unity. Visions thrive when there's unity. They die when there's division. Like if our vision was whatever for this church and you had some in the church that said no and some that said yes, you've got a problem. I love it when I hear leaders who talk about something and then one leader says, oh, I don't agree, but I'll go with you. I don't want to stand in the way. And so the leaders as a group say, yes, we're one. Despite concerns, despite that one or two might have had, they join together, they end up becoming one in their mind about what should be done and they do it. That's leadership. Fulfilling our vision requires unity. Not every aspect of the vision will sit well with everyone. But once we agree on a vision, then we need to work together to that end. Fulfilling our vision, secondly, requires ownership. That is, we, we as individuals in this church, every one of you sitting here and everyone at home, we need to accept responsibility, not to think, oh, well, others can do that. Next Sunday we're going to be asking people to help with the children's program here, Ignite and Ignition. They need help. And so if we're going to move ahead with the vision, we need people to say, I can do that. I might not be the best person, but I'm willing to give it a go and, and, and put myself into that place where I can help in that ministry and other ministries. There's all sorts of things that we can be involved in. So we need uh, a vision requires ownership. Um, it's not just the pastor or the elders or the ministry leaders, it's you. And thirdly and lastly, fulfilling our vision requires commitment. The vision of the leaders 26 years ago for this church, that's when it started, something like 26 years ago, well, before that actually started, there was a vision. Before anything existed, back in a Baptist, before it even met in that kindergarten, wherever it was, that, that it started off in. Right back at the beginning, some people had a vision. And do you know what? Taking the vision from that to what it is today was not easy. There's been bumps along the road and difficulties, but God helped and led and enabled them and us to fulfill the vision so far. So it requires commitment. It calls for investment of time and energy, investment of our money, 
St. Paul's Cathedral was destroyed in the Great Fire of London in uh, 1666. Christopher Wren was tasked with rebuilding uh, St. Paul's Cathedral. He visited the construction site and as he walked around, he saw a stonemason and he went up to him and he said, what are you doing? Oh, I'm putting these rocks in place. But he, th that guy didn't seem all that enthusiastic and it looked like he was ready to just move over and sit down under the shade of a tree and have a break. As he walked around, he saw another guy and this guy was really working hard at what he was doing. And so Christopher Wren asked him, oh, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a beautiful cathedral for God, sir. Are you just laying bricks, stones? Are you building a cathedral for God? Let's pray. Oh, Father, how we need your grace in this church to enable us to see what this church can and will become led by your spirit, empowered by your spirit, led by those that you appoint as leaders and by all who are involved in every area of church life and ministry. We pray that you will lead this church into the future that you have planned for it. Just as Israel, Lord, was led and when that generation died and the new generation came through, you led them in and they took the land and they were able to dwell in safety in the land that you had given them because they acted in faith and fulfilled the vision of what they were there for. Help us to do the same, we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.